Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. One of my favorite memories of my mom uh, growing up was how intentional she was with prayer. She would fill out these these note cards and she'd write out Bible verses and pray these Bible verses. And and I would watch her model this very real, um, very honest, trusting relationship with God. I remember having uh, these times where we'd have as a family these journals we'd write down prayer requests and we would not only write down the prayer requests but then we'd write down when they would be answered and I remember being a young child all of a sudden all of a sudden watching that starting to stir my faith in that there is a God who is interacting with our requests that things that we didn't know how were going to turn out I think and this is even as a young kid we were watching work out in ways that the only conclusion could be that God was at work. And so one of our hopes today is on this Mother's Day is that we would have our faith stirred by looking at one of my favorite women in the Bible. She's not given a name, but she has this interaction with the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, where she asks for something big. She doesn't know how it's going to turn out, but her faith and trust in God leads her to see something she could have never imagined in her wildest dreams. And I think that's the the goal, is to have our faith stirred that there is still a God living on the throne who loves us and who interacts with us and speaks to us and we can speak to him. And so I would invite you right now, if you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, I want to read you about eight verses of this compelling story of the faith of this mother. Verse 1, it says that the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditors coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Um, I love this story. Uh, it's, It's quick, but it's riveting. It kind of draws you in. 
And so just for us to kind of repaint this picture, um, the idea, by the way, is when you're reading the Bible, especially narrative, is you want to insert yourself into the story. You want to smell the text. You want to be able to understand what's going on. And at this particular moment, the prophet Elijah, who we talked about last week, has passed on and has given the ministry now as the primary prophet of Israel to Elisha. Elisha asked for a double portion. And so he was anointed with a double portion. And sure enough, he has twice as many miracles recorded as Elijah does, this being one of them. And so this, this woman comes to him in, in, in desperation and cries out and says, my husband, who was in the company, it says in Hebrew, the company was the group of prophets. Uh, if you remember, Obadiah at that time had hidden away 500 prophets of Yahweh. Her husband was one of them. He was the faithful servant of the Lord, and he passed away tragically. And that in that ancient culture, if your husband passed away, your, your means of income was uh, severely jeopardized. Also, in that time, you made your living by agriculture. And it was based on how much rain you got, how many crops you produced, allowed you to set up for the next year as far as how you were living. So if there was a drought, which there was in that time, all of a sudden you became desperate. And in those desperate times, what you would do is you would begin to start borrowing money to feed your family. And after a while, they would come back and to collect that debt. But if there was still no rain, you had no way to pay them back. And sure enough, you'd start losing your things. And after you, you lose your things, you would lose your land. And after you lose, lost your land, you could lose your children. You could lose yourself into what's called debt slavery. And that's exactly what's happening to this woman. Her husband has passed away. There's been a drought in the land. And she is now having these debt collectors come to her and they've taken land, possessions, and now they're coming to get her two sons, which again is linked to her sense of livelihood, not to mention just the, the, the deep sense of loss as a mother for these two boys. And so she is there in that moment and she cries out to the only person who would make sense as the kind of the head prophet saying, Elisha, what do I do? And he asks this strange question. He says, what's in your house? And she says, nothing, meaning they've taken everything. The only thing I have is some olive oil in a jar. And he gives her the most peculiar instructions. He says, go to your neighbors, collect all the empty jars you can find. And he I love this, this instruction, don't take a few. And she brings them back to her house. Her two sons takes these back to her house. And in that moment, she starts to pour the olive oil in and they start to fill up one after another. And they start filling up more and more. Well, after the very last one comes, she just yells out. She's like, bring another one. And they said, that was it. And as soon as her son says that was the last one, the oil stops. And their house is now filled with jars of olive oil and she goes and tells Elisha that there we did it this is filled and he gives her this redemptive instructions go and sell the olive oil and pay off the debt 
and you and your children can live off the rest. So I'm reading this story and I get really interested. I'm like, how much olive oil would it take to pay off the debt that would be the equivalent of two male slaves in that ancient culture? And so uh, there's a lot more research based on Greek culture, which was kind of coming into power at that time. And so about a gallon of olive oil was about a day's wages. And so uh, looking up at that time for a, a male debt slave, that person would have been sold for two to three hundred days wages. Um, and so if you do the math, in order to raise enough money to offset her two sons that they're about to come and take, plus have money for them to live on, this would have ended up being over a thousand gallons of olive oil. And I just, just think about the, the imagery of that room. Here is this woman who has lost practically everything. Her husband, her land, her belonging. She's about to lose her two sons under this horrible condition. And this miracle happens where there is now olive oil jars enough in her house. Um, th- th- over a thousand gallons of olive oil just instantly fills up her house and she can go and sell it. And so... This, this redemptive, miraculous story, it, it, it's easy to look back and just be like, I almost look at it like it's like a myth or some sort of like virtue story. But oftentimes we forget, though, these are, these are real people dealing with very real things. So I just want to just bring up five, five movements in the story that I believe every single one of us can identify with in our own faith journey. Uh, Number one is disappointment. Number two is desperation. Number three is daringness. Number four is determination. And lastly is deliverance. And we see, we see this woman move through these stages and it begins with number one with clear disappointment. The life that she had envisioned has been taken from her and not only has it been taken from her, It couldn't get any worse. And I think in every one of our lives, and maybe even for you, Mother's Day represents that at some level. There's an element of disappointment attached to this day. But whether it's today, something else in your life, a dream that hasn't been fulfilled, um, hurt from your past, a prayer that hasn't been answered, there are moments in our life where we are left with disappointment, whether that's at a small level or whether that is at a severe level level of disappointment. And disappointment can do two things. It can lead you to disillusionment, a callousing of your heart, or when we're disappointed, it can also lead us into desperation. And that's what it did for this woman. Her disappointment led her in desperation to cry out for Elisha saying, this, is, this was your guy. You knew my husband. And he, and I love this, he revered the Lord. I think all of us sometimes, I think about that Bible, it it rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like why are the life of the faithful filled with disappointment when there's the life of people who have no regard for others or for God? Seems like everything's going fine for them. This is her real wrestling. 
but her disappointment is leading her to desperation. And she cries out to the prophet of God. She cries out and God hears her cry. A, cu- a couple weeks back, um, I got a phone call from a family in our church, a friend of mine, who let me know that his daughter had been born, but that his daughter had been born without a heartbeat. Our dear friends of Sanford's um, experienced the unimaginable. And after baby Lennon was born and the doctor was called in and nurses come flying in, this, this moment transpires where they just start saying, there's, there's no heartbeat. And five minutes go by and there's nothing and there's resuscitation going on and 10 minutes goes by and there's nothing. And, and in that moment, my friend's describing to me how he looks over at the table at minute 15 and he realizes my, my daughter's gone. And he says in that moment, he let out the most desperate cry. And as he's crying out to God, soaking in the, the most horrific moment of his life, he hears from across the room, we've got a heartbeat. And, and Scott's calling on the phone. He's like, man, you would not believe the miracle that just happened. After 15 minutes, a heartbeat comes back. They rush to the NICU. They start doing all sorts of tests. But the miracle just continues day after day as they test her for brain damage. And the tests come back that everything is completely fine to the very last complete diagnosis. They look and say, there is nothing wrong with your daughter. Listen. There's something about the greatest moments of disappointment in our lives that can lead us to the greatest moments of desperation. And God moves. This isn't just a Bible story from a couple thousand years ago. He's still doing it. And I know that there's, there's parts of us that want to think back and be like, well, why didn't he do it then? But my encouragement to you today is to be reminded of the miraculous, that God is still moving. We can still come to him in our desperation. Richard Foster says that God becomes a reality when he becomes a necessity. That's what happened in that moment. There's, there's nothing else medically that could have been done for this child. And God became a reality in that moment of saying, God, if, it's, if you don't show up, nothing matters, nothing will work. And in that moment for baby Lennon, for Scott and Amanda, a miracle happened. After this moment of desperation for this woman, there comes this opportunity where she gets to choose to listen to this peculiar request to go gather large amounts of empty jars where probably the society's already probably dismissed her as somehow God's blessing being removed from her at some level. And now she's collecting their empty jars. I mean, you can just imagine the shame and embarrassment attached with that. But desperation will lead to a level of daringness. You will pray more bold prayers. You will dream bigger dreams. You will put a greater level of trust in your God. And that's exactly what this woman did. She goes, and I love Elisha's instructions. Don't ask for a few jars. (laughs) Go ask for a lot. Can you imagine if in her disappointment, 
In her desperation, she just chose to ask for like four jars. She was kind of obedient. Listen, when we are desperate, you have to move to daring faith, being willing to ask God to move. And that's exactly what she did, which leads to another moment. It's one of my favorite moments in the story, which is our fourth, fourth point, is this moment of determination. And this is where I just want to, I just want to honor those who have been disappointed, who have been desperate, and who have been daring, but then who've also been determined. There's something about praying big prayers in a moment. There's something about praying big prayers for months and for years. And there's something about this story that the, the, the mother in this story just keeps asking, send the next one, bring the next jar. And she's not like, she doesn't look around she's like, well, I guess this is enough. She just keeps head down, pouring her little vat of olive oil into these massive jars, filling up over a thousand gallons of olive oil. Bring the next one. I just love that line. There's something about a determination within her to wring out every ounce of God's provision that was allowed. And when her, when her son says that was the last one, the oil stopped. And I just want to encourage you, if you are desperate, if you've been discouraged, and you feel like your daring faith has been worn down, I just want to encourage you, keep going. Keep being resilient. Have a determination in your prayer, in your seeking, in your asking that God will continue to do that because here's what's amazing at this end of this story, and we all need to hear this, is this deliverance. Um, in, in our family, we've just experienced this exact thing. Uh, for those of you who might have been in person last week, you heard the story that our, our stepsister, Marion, had been um, battling significant um, liver failure the past few months ended up being bedridden and as a family we're praying and we're trying to find answers she's trying to find answers and the doctors aren't giving them and a couple weeks ago it took a turn for the worse uh, to the point where um, things were being starting to be prepared for the end and things got so bad that she was moved to the top of the transplant list and we were visiting with her on a Monday. And I remember sitting and holding Marion's hand and praying a prayer we had been praying for months, but praying it again. God, please come through. Be the shepherd that walks us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we prayed and little did we know that 24 hours later, she would get a phone call that they found a match. And that next morning, five in the morning, Wednesday, she gets reeled in and she's given new life. And I got to visit with Marion last night. She's home from the hospital and she said something to me. She said, I could, she's like, it was like I could hear the intercession. And I just, intercession, by the way, is when you contend for someone else, you are in the middle fighting for someone else. And there was, there was a small army of people interceding for Mary. And she's like, I could feel it as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. There was a determination of prayer and of faith. 
And again, we're at, we are recipients of this miracle. And believe me, my friends, um, I've gone through moments in my life where I wish God would have shown up differently. I've been there and I can relate and grieve with you. But I also want you to be encouraged that the past few months, we have seen so many miracles just in our church. We have seen babies who were said they, they weren't going to live are now living healthy and whole lives. We've experienced friends and family members who are going to live are now experiencing health and wholeness that they haven't had in months. And if you're still in that moment where you're holding out, don't give up. Have determination in your prayers. Let us know how we can partner with you in prayers. We're with you. Because at the end of this story is deliverance. And here's what's amazing. This is the last thing I want you to, to leave you with. This deliverance at the end of the story was because of olive oil. A, a, an olive, which is very common in, in the Mediterranean, very, very common in Israel. They take this, this fruit and they crush it. They strain it. And by pulverizing this olive, they take out the oil from it. And it's one of the most ancient forms of currency. It was used for medicine, cosmetics. It was used for, um, for food. It was used for lighting candles. It was used for everything, for sacrifices. But it all came from a crushing of an olive. And I couldn't help be reminded as I studied this story this week, that every single one of us has been offered deliverance because there was someone who was crushed for us. Jesus was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And because of him, we have been offered a deliverance we could never afford on our own. And so I want to just draw your attention to the greater narrative of God that there is not a single person watching this who does not have a story that ends in deliverance. Please hear me. I know that life can feel as it, as it can rob us sometimes. But remember, this is not all we have. We have been given deliverance supernaturally because of someone who was crushed in our place. And we have now been given new life. And I love Elijah saying, Pay off your debt. It's exactly what Jesus did. He says, use the rest to live off of. Jesus' sacrifice wasn't just enough for us to pay off debt. Jesus' sacrifice is enough for us to live off of. So live in deliverance. If you're disappointed, that's okay. Don't, don't land in disillusionment. Move into desperation. And let your desperation continue to, to move to a daring faith. And with that daring faith, not be discouraged, but be determined. Because we know that the story we're all a part of is a story that ends in deliverance. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this story that shadows our story. God, that, number one, you care about our life. You care about every single one of us. You know us by name. You know our hurt. You know our disappointment. And Lord, I just believe that this moment, you are inviting us in to deeper faith. You are inviting us in to the greater story of redemption, the story of God. 
Would you move, God, in people's individual lives? Would you also move, God, in their circumstances? But I pray on this Mother's Day, God, if, if there's moms watching, would they feel loved and encouraged? If there's any discouragement, would you reverse that today? God, I pray for anyone who's watching this, and this might be a hard day for them. Bring them hope, courage, renewal, healing. And Lord, thank you that every single one of us today, we get to rest in the finished work of the cross, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. <laughs>